all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To your previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Keeping up with the Joneses is a term that most of us understand, but do you realize how much it affects our lives? Today, society is consumed with what we look like to other people. What do you think is a root cause? How can we combat the urge to have as much or more than our neighbors, even when we can't afford it? When is enough enough? Let's talk about what's going on in your family. You can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and today we're talking about keeping up with the Joneses. Why do we do it? What we're really talking about today is peer pressure, right? Keeping up with the Joneses is one of those terms that we all understand, but do you realize how much we let it affect our lives? Our children let it affect their lives. We do it too. Today, society is often really consumed with what we look like to other people. Not, not just whether or not we're doing okay, whether we have what we need, and, and maybe even what we want, but even more so what other people think we should want and how we should look. So what do you think the root cause is? How can we combat that urge to have as much or more than our neighbors, even when we cannot afford it? So my question to you is, when is enough enough? And what what do we need to do to try to get down to the point of having what we need, being who we are, and not letting the outside peer pressure, the negative kind, uh, affect us? So a recent study published in the Journal of Developmental Psychology found that resistance to peer pressure really can happen. And it increases between ages 14 and 18, but then it really doesn't change much after that, all the way up to 30. And I dare say that there are plenty of adults out there who are older than 30 who continue to succumb to peer pressure. So so what? why is that? Do you remember the time when your mother always asked you if your friend jumped off the bridge, would you do it too, when you were saying, well, so-and-so can do this, why can't I? 
Um, so that's one of the things we need to talk about today. Um, why do we let ourselves do things that maybe we know are not the best things for our family, for ourselves? Um, I know that the the earlier ta- uh, show this morning uh, on Money Talks was about budgeting and how many people live beyond their means. Why do we do that? Well, my assertion and many others uh, is that it's due to that pressure that we feel. So let me give you a little bit of fun history before we get into the real meat of what I want to talk about. The phenomena of keeping up with the Joneses is one of those American concepts because it certainly refers to that capitalistic capitalistic mindset that we do. You know, American society is really wealth-oriented. I think we all know that. Um, you know, it's acquisition, um, getting what what you can get, getting more than you need. So today, society really judges, it, judges itself based on physical appearances. And I mean truly physical appearances. And then the possessions. So many people feel like in order to feel like they belong, they have to be similar or better than those people around them. So the term keeping up with the Joneses goes all the way back to 1913 when Arthur Moorman created, it was a comic. Uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses, and the comic strip was about an American family, the McGinnises, who were social climbers. It was a popular at the time, and it parodied domestic life back then. Not a lot's changed. The McGinnises and their family were working to keep up with their neighbors, the Joneses, who are often talked about in the comic strips and aren't seen. So if you want to read of some of the comic strips about the Joneses, do. You can get online and easily get to that. So it shows um, how the McGinnises, even when it wasn't affordable to them or even practical, they, they'd strive to purchase the same objects and the items that the Joneses had for show. And it And it really brought out and emphasized the drive that many people have uh, toward that conspicuous consumption. And um, if you read interviews uh, of Mormon, the creator of Keeping Up with the Joneses, he said it was based on his own life. He and his wife lived for some time in Cedarhurst, New York, a wealthy community on Long Island. And he said that his family tended to live way beyond their means and that he he started seeing the comedy in it. And so eventually his family moved to Manhattan, and um, that's where he created the comic, and um, he originally called it Keeping Up with the Smiths, which is interesting, but it didn't have quite the same ring. So Keeping Up with the Joneses was born. Now, um, what I want us to talk about today is why do we do that? Do you think? Well, here, let me throw out a couple of questions to you, our listeners. Uh, Have you ever tried to keep up with the proverbial Joneses? Um, What happened? Could you make yourself stop? Are you still in that whirlwind? 
have you watched other people who do it and dig a hole for themselves financially because they are working so hard to keep up with those Joneses that um, that they they are losing themselves? Do you think that children are being influenced by adults in their behaviors? And then let's talk about social media and the pressures that that are out there. Uh, and we can talk about what what we're seeing via East Instagram and Snapchat and certainly Facebook. Facebook probably was the original real start of individuals uh, watching what is supposedly going on with others, supposedly, that their lives clearly seem better than ours, right? And so what do I need to do to make my life seem better? No, Dr. Butchers, um, it's funny you mentioned um, looking at other people and, and seeing what they have. You think about Instagram and Facebook now with the emergence of social media and how it plays a part in what we see and how people show their lives. They go, they're going on vacations. Uh, someone buys a new car. They're putting it on Instagram. Uh, you know, that no one portrays the bad part of their lives on social media. So right. what you see is the good part, the right. Bahama trips, the, you know, Cancun vacations, the, um, the cruises and things like that, and you want that. And it doesn't help that that's all you see. That's all you see. What they don't show is how now they're worried about paying off that MasterCard or Visa bill because they charged everything to go on that exotic trip. They also don't post about the fights that they had with their significant other over the money that has been spent and how in the world are they going to regroup. They never, well, some, occasionally I'll see a post about someone and how the trip went awry and it was the worst thing that ever happened to them. But the majority of people post those beautiful sunsets um, in these exotic places with this incredible food. They forget to post that that incredible dish that they took a picture of and posted uh, cost them $50 and therefore now their budget is gone all awry. So um, we have to, we have, I am not I think anybody who knows me knows that I like nice things. I like to go to places that are nice. I enjoy an occasional wonderful meal out. But what I want us to talk to about today is if we do those things, if we go to those places because somebody else did or to impress somebody else, and at the same time it's to our detriment because we either can't afford it or it's not a good thing for us to do, then we need to regroup and figure out why we're doing this. And I'd I'd love for our listeners to join in. A lot of this is about, you know, I'm a child developmental specialist. Um, One of my big issues has always been that we need to be good models for others, good models for those children and teenagers who who really need to see our behavior in the right direction. 
So as we talk along, how can we be a good model, still enjoy life, still feel like we're getting what we think we deserve? Listeners, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can join us by sending an email at family at mpbonline.org. Today we're talking about keeping up with the Joneses, peer pressure. There's peer pressure that's positive and negative, and we'll talk, too, about some of that positive peer pressure that's out there. But give us a call. Let us know what you think and how you deal with that peer pressure. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. Today we're talking about keeping up with the Joneses, peer pressure, that positive or negative peer pressure that makes us do things, sometimes do things that are not good for us or not the right thing, um, that desire to have what other people have or look like what other people look or perhaps just to live the way we think other people are living. Now, the fallacy in all this is that many times other people truly aren't living the way they portray. Life is not exactly what you think it is. So keep that in mind as we're talking through this. And and let's talk a little bit about perhaps you feel like the peer pressures are happening and what we need to do about them, how keeping up with the Joneses sometimes has hurt you. Do you have a story about that? Or how you have been able to stand up to the pressures of that keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses issue? Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877 877- Six seven two seven four six four, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org, and I'd love for y'all to to join in the conversation. Could just stop it when you got caught up into it, and if you did, what did you do to stop it? You know, everyone who has kids or um, has ever had a child knows that there's a lot of pressure on young people to keep up with the latest toy and gadget. And and as we've talked about before, the advertisers know that the more you make people think that everybody is having it or doing it, the more likely you're going to feel pressured that, oh, maybe I'll be happy. Maybe this will make me happier if I can just do that. And then what starts happening is that Um, Not only do you not feel happier, but then you feel sometimes burdened about what you did or or why you did it. Um, You know, there's been 
some question when you think about the peer pressure. Of course, we always think about it being um, adolescent um, pressure. But there are adult pressure, peer pressures that are going on out there. A study done at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health points out that negative peer pressure can hold you back uh, from realizing your full potential and resisting that negative peer pressure is really crucial because sometimes peer pressure to go out and party when the reality of it is not what you should be doing because, one, it's not good for you, two, you're going to lose sleep, and three, because you cannot afford it, are those things that you don't step through because somebody's pushed you to do it. The same thing for travel, the same thing for purchasing. So how do you make sure that you develop enough self-esteem? How do you empower yourself so that you are confident in who you are and not who you might could be because of something that you could buy or something uh, that someone else has? So, you know, the other thing to remember is it's not keeping up with the Joneses that helps children avoid depression. I think so many times people think that if if you give them the things that they need or want. Now, see, I said two words together, need, um, giving your children the things that they need, shelter, food, safe place, nurturing love. Those are things that children need. Now, what do sometimes children want that they don't need? Well, we know that. Um, you know, brand, brand name, fancy clothes, um, fancy items, uh, the best iPhone. Uh, as I was doing research um, on, on this show, I ran across a uh, a social worker who wrote on this very thing. And and she um, said that she's a social worker. Social workers make a good income, but none of no social workers are wealthy by the money that they earn. Um, they do very honorable work. And what she was saying that um, her daughter was just badgering her for the newest um, iPhone that that she had a she had a phone, she had a mobile phone, but she didn't have um, a newer iPhone, and that she was badgering her mother uh, about it, who who was a social worker, and the social worker uh, was telling her her mother about it, the grandmother of this child, and many times we grandmothers can overstep our boundaries, and she said her mother said to her. Your child cannot pull out a flip phone in front of her friends when everybody else has uh, the the newer iPhones. And she her comment in in her writing was, "Oh my goodness, my mother has even <laughs> succumbed to this." And I, and I believe it's the truth. I think sometimes we, instead of empowering our children with being confident in who they are and not what they have, we succumb to the worry that there might be somebody out there who might make fun of 
of our child because they don't have the fanciest or the best. Has that ever happened to you? You know, Dr. Rogers, I'm sitting here listening and you're talking about me. (laughs) But, you know, it's funny that the whole scenario, my situation is the opposite. My Mm -hmm. mother Mm -hmm. says, why? Why do you, Jordan doesn't need an iPhone 8 or uh, or 10. Mm -hmm. Jordan doesn't need $200 gym shoes. Jordan, that's what I get in my, you know, in my ear. And she's, not to say she's right or wrong. This is my argument. do I, and I say this to myself, am I buying Jordan this stuff so she can look like other people or do I just want her to be happy? And that is where I am having a almost 16-year-old. And, of course, she likes things. But what's funny is that sometimes, and I asked a question this past weekend at a Sweet 16 party, not my daughter's. I asked the parents' table, I said, do we put on airs for our kids or for ourselves? And that was a question, and everyone at the table was like, wow, think about this. Remember the MTV um, Sweet 16, a show that they had with the big Sweet 16 parties, and they showed the progress of the party. Bigger and bigger and better and better, yes. Do we as parents put the party on for our kids, for us. And that's what we're talking about today, adult peer pressure. Do we as adults want everyone to look at our families and our kids and say, oh, look what uh, Michelle did for her daughter's Sweet 16 party. Is it for our kids or is it for ourselves? Oh, that's a really good question, mm-hmm. Michelle. And and let me just add a couple of other situations to that. Weddings. Weddings used to be um, more simple, except in the very, very wealthy. Um, And now you will see people spending these unbelievable dollars on weddings. And as as they happen, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And people have to save up money for a very long time and then work hard to pay off debt. And are we doing that because it makes our marriage better? Are we doing that because it it makes the ties last longer? We know the answer to that, right? So what are we doing that for? Is it if it's because we have a huge family and we want everybody to join in the party, okay. If you can afford it, okay. But if you're doing it because it's for show, then we are only hurting ourselves. Mm, you said a mouthful there. Uh and like I said, today we're talking about adult peer pressure and most of the times when you say peer pressure, most people think, oh, back in when I was a teenager, you know, high school peer pressure. But no, like you're talking about today, adults, we have so much peer pressure to look like a certain thing, to be at a job and have a certain title as far as the weddings, to have the biggest wedding and everyone in the society pages are talking about us and our weddings. But does that make us happy at the end of the day? Are you struggling to pay off the wedding? And so your marriage is already strained before you even hit your one year mark. Before you even start. So, and then let me just come back to something you said, Michelle. You said, I just think I want to make sure that my daughter is happy. Um, We need to be careful because possessions do not make us happy. They may make us proud. They may allow us to show them off. But does it really make you happy? Happiness is more an intrinsic 
thing. And if we continue to try to make ourselves happy by the possessions that we have, then we are we're going down a very bad, bumpy road, slippery slope, whatever you want to call it. We are not finding the pathway to happiness. You know, another thing is Americans are are often a victim of chronic dissatisfaction, and that has been shown over and over again. And that chronic dissatisfaction often is bred by the fact that we are continuing to try to strive for more and more. So you never, when is enough enough? Like I said at the beginning of the show. Okay, great. Richard has called in to join in um, from, I can't read that. Is it Mabin? Hi, Richard. Hi. Yes, Mabin. Uh, Statistically, the more you spend on the wedding, the shorter the marriage. Oh, wow. Do you have that? Do you have a study on that? Yeah, there there was a study. I don't have it myself. But there was a study and looked at how much people were spending on weddings and this sort of stuff. And statistically speaking, it came out that the the more you spend, the more likely the the shorter the wedding, the marriage. That's interesting. And and I, I think we all know, we all can probably point to... Uh, individuals who had lavish weddings, and then in a couple of years, the ma- the marriage was down the tubes. I'd I'd like to see that study. We also know that some people have beautiful weddings that are very expensive, and they last forever. I have a cousin who is blissfully married uh, right now, from all indications, and she had a wedding with three people present. Um, her now husband and the person who married her and herself. Um, and they uh, they just, it was so important for it to be a very, very, very special time just for them. I dare say very few people do that. And I will say that some people who get married who exclude it to such a tiny group as that might upset a few parents. I'm not ad- advocating that, but... That's interesting, Richard. I, um, if you have that, I'd love to have Richard post that um, on our online on, online for us. That'd be great. I'd love to hear from others. Uh, give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or again, send an email to family at mpbonline dot org. Um, what do you think about? Uh, the the peer pressure to maybe do things that maybe we don't need to do um, or just to gather more possessions or have a bigger show. How do you combat that? Have you tried and have you had a difficult time? Give us a call. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. We're talking about that peer pressure, that that push to feel like we need to have or do what other people have or do, that keeping up with the Joneses is something that's been going on for a very long time. How do we stand up to it? That's what we're talking about today. We've got some open lines. I want you to join in the conversation um, and let us know how you've dealt with it. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. All right, let's go back to the lines. We do have John in Benton. Hi, John. Thanks for calling. Thank you for listening. I love your show. Thank uh, you. I got a couple of comments uh, that are on topic. Uh, one. Uh, my little preacher Sunday, who's a new preacher, she's second second career anyway, told this story about Miss Jones who saw Miss Smith get a remodel done and she wanted to keep up with her, so she went out and charged a bunch of money and, and did the redo. And the point was be content with what you have because what Miss Jones didn't realize is Miss Smith had saved up for quite a while and paid for it cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, sometimes we just need to uh, be content with what we have, and that's how I deal with it. You know, if I can't afford it, I don't get it. I don't need it. Yeah. But the other thing is the new movement, which I'm sure you're quite familiar with, that I'm very much part of, is called minimalism. And I have. Just get by with as little as you need, and get rid of what you don't, and it's there's stuff all over YouTube, and there's a couple guys that have been going around the country talking about it anyway. It's a, it's a great idea, and it, it kills the, the peer pressure. Yeah. You have to be very confident in who you are to do that, John. And I think that's where uh, I think a lot of people are trying to make themselves feel good and feel okay or perhaps feel a little more important by their possessions. But yes, I've heard of minimalism. And you know, we talk a lot about our millennials and how they're not always the hardest workers or doing the right thing. But the reality is there are a lot of millennials out there who who do truly believe in in that minimalistic approach that that they they just have what they need and and not all these other possessions around them so you also go ahead john no i was just going to say uh i'm in the state of minimalism now because i had a fire at my trailer and i'm very thankful my dogs got out i was not there i'm all right and I didn't lose very much in terms of possessions, but yeah, it's got me rethinking everything now. Yeah. But people have been so good to me and supportive, and it's all good. That's wonderful, John. Thanks for calling, John, and good luck in your recovery from your fire. And yes, I'm so glad that you and your dogs were 
able to get out safely. That's that's well, tough. Well, yeah, it is. It's, uh, I have a whole new appreciation for fire victims. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But I, I'm blessed. It was kind of minimal for me. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, thank you, John, so much, and good luck. And uh, John points out something, too, that you hear from uh, others often when they lose everything in a disaster. Uh, like a fire or a storm, a hurricane, and you talk to a lot of people um, who who dealt have dealt with the terrible storms that we've had um, always in in our state and our surrounding states, and and they often talk about how how the the truth of it is is. Uh, they have what's important, their family, their lives, their loved ones are still there. And, and everything else are just things. It's just things. And so I, I sometimes, unfortunately, I imagine it takes a disaster of some great magnitude to make people realize what really, really is important. And I'll tell you, when I hear people grieving about losses from a storm or a fire, they mostly grieve about pictures and and letters and, and those kinds of things. Not the fancy jewelry, not the fancy dishes, but but the those type of personal things. So... I think we all know deep down in our hearts what's the most important, but sometimes we get lost in the pressure from from media and from our peers as to what is really important. Okay, let's stay on the phones. We have Martha in Clinton. Hi, Martha. Thanks for calling. Hi, thanks. Yes. Um, I always find that a little humor can sometimes help me stay in perspective, and so my husband and I... We have a little um, kind of inside joke between the two of us that we say, it's a trap. The bigger <laughs> house, the fancier car, the Oreo cookies, it's all a trap. Don't fall for it. <laughs> we do. It is a trap. How many times? Oh, we, we need to remind ourselves that. You know, I, I've told this story um, many times before when... Uh, someone asked me about the monies that people spend on advertising and why in the world do you spend so much money and why do these agencies make so much money? And and my comment always is that because it works, it works. I mean, why do you think people can spend huge dollars on the ads that you see all the time? It, it works, and it is a trap. And we all, I, I have succumbed myself. I cannot be self-righteous and say I haven't. I have. And, and I think it is one of those things. The more we can empower uh, those we love, and our children around us, that that it is a trap, as you say, Martha, um, that that the better off we'll all be, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, even with those advertisements, we're starting to teach our kids, what do you think they're trying to get, to get us to buy? Uh-huh. You know, and so they're thinking about it, and so as soon as they see that advertisement, they're already thinking about what are they, how are they manipulating me? And so I think even starting young with our kids, you know, of, uh, yeah, but they're trying to sell me something. And just to kind of see through it. Yep. 
absolutely. Good for you. And that's what we need to do for all our kids. You know, I've I've always said co-watching television with your children can be so good because you can Mm -hmm. use it as a teachable moment, which it sounds like you're doing. Um, Get them, teach them to be a scientist, to, to try to delve down. Sometimes in some of the advertisements, the commercials that we see, it's even hard to know what it's being advertised because mm-hmm. it's almost a subliminal message, right? Yes, completely true. Yeah. So, Martha, thanks. That was great. A trap. Everybody remember, don't fall in the trap and get snagged. <laughs> Okay, I see we have John. Is it John from Benton back? Hey, John, did you have another point you wanted to make? Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's uh, okay. Look, uh, to the point on the advertisement, and by the way, I'm a 30-year high school science teacher, and I love investigation. Oh, wow. I mean, I've been very blessed. 32, actually. But anyway... Uh, about the advertisement, I had a professor once say, just always remember, they don't advertise what you need. <laughs> they only, to, the, to the trap, they only advertise what you don't need and make you think you need it and make you think you got to have it. They, they don't bother with wow. stuff you have to need. Wow. Uh, well, that's a good point. That's a great point. Okay. Uh, for all of you people who are in um, advertising, please know we're not talking badly about you. <laughs> I know there's some great people who do great stuff out there, but you're right. They they don't advertise um, drinking plain water, right? They don't advertise... I, almost never hear anything about advertising um, heat in your home uh, or advertising some of the basic foods in your home. It's the embellished foods or it's the the special ways that heat is presented. So it's not what you need, it's what you want. That's a good one. Gosh, we've had... I've always said callers make the show, right? And um, that's what we're finding out now. We're hearing some great stuff from you guys. John, thanks for calling back. Can I get one more? The story about the fire, real quick, to your point about the pictures. Uh-huh. I've got I have two grandfathers, and I've only got a picture of each of them. And that was hanging on the wall that burned. And by a miracle, uh, they were preserved. Wow. That's pretty impressive. That's great. Oh, the act of God, I guess. Anyway, thanks for your show. I won't call again. (laughs) Thanks for calling back, John. And I will say thank you for your teaching career. We need more teachers who are passionate and caring about what they do. Okay, I'm being told that we need to go to our next break. We've got some open lines. Please join in. We've got a few more minutes for you to call in at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We're talking about keeping up with the Joneses, peer pressure. How do you stand up to that? How do you teach your children to stand up to that? During the break, Michelle and I wanted decided that we wanted to call it out to you. How, how have you taught your children to stand up to that peer pressure? What have, you, what have you done? What have you said when they wanted something really expensive uh, that you don't think they needed, whether you could afford it or not? Or if you couldn't afford it, uh, were, were you able to empower your child with the ability to say, look somebody in the eye and say, this is what I have. This is what my parents are able to buy me, and I'm very happy with it. How do you empower a child to have that kind of self-esteem and that ability to look somebody who's potentially a bully um, in the eye and say that to them when they make fun of something that you have or do? Um, I'd love to hear from you if you have a solution for that or if you have a story about how you had to stand up to that as a child. You can give us a call. We have time. one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Dr. Butchers, you yeah. mentioned a point about parents teaching, and you said it at the beginning of the show. It has to come from us. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have that inside you, how can you teach your child uh, to stand up to succumb bullying and peer pressure? We talked about a flip phone in 2019. Yeah. A child in <laughs> high school, a high right. school walking around with a Samsung. Well, no, a flip phone. How can they stand up to that? If you, as an adult, wouldn't want to have a flip phone, how do you empower that yeah. in your child? Or your child is like, well, you have a you know, this Whatever. brand phone. technology right. phone. And why can't yeah. I have it? And some parents say, well, I have a job. <laughs> yeah. I pay the bills, and you can get what you can afford. Can you afford a, um XYZ phone well, right think, now? And I think that's a fine response. It is. I think that if, if a parent, you know, wants a more upscale phone and they're going to give their child, uh, to, to remind the child that, that you are the breadwinner, you are working hard, you are earning money, and you are the one who can... Um, knows what's in your budget for you and that you know I'm sorry but I think we we too often I'm really not sorry I didn't mean to say that word um, <laughs> I think too often we try to put our children on the same plane uh, that we are and treat them as if they are peers and let them think that because they are our child they can have whatever we can have. And and that means that they didn't have to work hard. They didn't go to school, and they didn't get whatever degree it took to be able to earn what they have. And so to, that's a bad message, to let somebody know that, yeah, I'm going to buy you this, even though you didn't work for it, because you're my child. I, I don't think it's a good message, and I think it's one that we too often send out there. So, okay, let's go back to the phones. We have Terry in Gulfport. Hi, Terry. Thanks for calling. Hey, my pleasure. Love your show. Um, just wanted to say I've been listening, and a couple of people have called in about advertising, and I have been in the business about 35 years. Ah, 
And <laughs> Thanks for one... calling. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Anyway, uh, after all these years and decades in the ad business, I've learned one thing for the consumer, and that is whether it's on the radio or the TV, listen for what they don't say. <laughs> ah, it's good advice because there's always a disclaimer at the bottom or there's always something that is a condition before you buy so i gotta run i just wanted to make that quick statement you have a good day up there okay oh thanks terry calling from the gulf coast and i tell you what another good message we got today listen to what they don't say or if they do say it it said very quickly at the end or in tiny print at the bottom the disclaimers are there and and terry is is so correct and and like he said you know you have to just keep that in mind it's just like i'll never forget this when i i talked to someone who was uh part owner in a casino. And I said, so I'm not a gambler at all. I will say that up front. I said, so tell me about um, what you would recommend is the best bet for you to gamble in. And he said, um, Dr. Buttress, if there was a best bet, then I wouldn't be in the casino business you will always lose more often than you win. And I just thought it's the same kind of thing. You just have to be aware of what you're doing and what you're looking at. So uh, thanks, Terry, for that call. That was great. Uh, Just as we are ending up with our last couple of minutes of the show, I just I ran across something that uh, a millennial wrote, and and I thought it was just such uh, brilliant words, and I want to read them to you. It was Angela Marino, and she said, Comparison is the demise of the mind. It creates a dulling of the creative senses, and it makes difficult to satisfy your dreams. The idea that another's life is more, more fulfilling than yours is the most nonsensical thought, for you will never be them, and in turn, they will never be you. Your path is only made once. Now, aren't those amazing words? I hope you'll go back to the podcast and listen to those. Those aren't my words. Those are Angela Marino, a millennial's words. And I thought she said it so profoundly. If we can learn to be happy with our life and what we have and what we're dealing with, and sometimes we're dealing with some pretty tough stuff, but to remember it's our life and our path and our road and that as long as we stay on that path and do the best we can and realize that there's no possession that's going to make us better or happier and and you know there's 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 just not a pair of shoes that is going to make us walk better it may make our us think our feet look better but it's surely not going to make us walk better so keep that in mind i thought those were great words so as you're moving through life um that the new OCD I read somewhere was uh, obsessive comparison disorder instead of obsessive compulsive disorder. So, 
stay stay out of that wheelhouse. Don't fall into the obsessive comparison disorder that yours is better than mine, so I need to go for that. Let's learn how to stop keeping up with the Joneses and model that to the children around us, whether they are your your own children, your grandchildren, or your nieces or nephews or someone around you that you're mentoring. Um, let's try to learn to be happy with who we are. And um, and then it makes for a better person overall when you're not. I'm not saying don't strive to better yourself because we need to do that. What I'm saying is don't envy. You know, that's one of the seven deadly sins. Stay away from it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much to our callers for calling in. Today's show was engineered by our also call screener and producer, Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.